0: Advice for other women in entering these industries and more. Carolyn Zern holds many positions in the agriculture world. She is the current president of American AgriWomen. She is the past president of Minnesota AgriWomen and the lead Minnesota farmer for Farmers Feed the World, a Farm Journal Foundation project. Formerly, she was appointed to the Minnesota Farm Service Agency Board. Recently, she has also spent time serving as a Minnesota Agriculture in the Classroom Director, Minnesota Soybean Director, and the Chair of Northern Crops Institute, and Coordinator for Common Ground, an agriculture advocacy group. Carolyn farms with her husband, Bill, and two sons in Callaway, Minnesota, where they raise corn, soybeans, alfalfa, sugar beets, and wheat. Carolyn has five grandchildren, all working in agriculture, and is grandmother to 13 grandchildren. She also spent many years employed by Procter & Gamble as a sales and marketing representative. Hello, Carolyn. A big welcome to the Hazard Girls podcast. Thank you very much. And hello to all. And our second guest today is Alicia Nord Donnelly. She is a fifth-generation farmer from Wolverton, Minnesota. Her family raises corn, soybeans, hay, and registered Black Angus cattle. She lives in North Dakota with her husband, and works for the North Dakota Farm Bureau as their Southeast field representative, where she spends many hours on the road visiting with farmers and ranchers, learning about the different policy issues within the state. Alicia holds her Bachelor of Science from North Dakota State University. There she studied agricultural communications with an emphasis in animal science and extension education and was honored as the commencement speaker for her graduating class she was just recently elected as the new president of North Dakota AgriWomen. Welcome to the show, Alicia.
1: Thank you, Emily.
0: Well, after speaking with Mitzi Perdue of Purdue Farms for a previous episode, I really wanted to do a show that explored women in agriculture. And to have the two of you here is just perfect because we have a very seasoned professional, the president of American AgriWomen, Carolyn. And then we have a younger rising star in agriculture, Alicia. So thank you so much to both of you for being here.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Well, I couldn't help but notice from both of your bios that agriculture for you is very much a family business. Alicia, you're fifth generation and Carolyn, your children are all in agriculture as well. So is that a
2: common thing? Thinking that American Agri it was started. 47 years ago by a group of women that were in agriculture and you got to remember that agriculture also surrounds timber and mineral products oil it encompasses so much and you know I did not grow up on a farm I ended up marrying a farmer yes I have relatives that were in farming but <laughs> this is crazy uh I met my husband probably 50 years ago And I decided if I was going to be part of this vocation of being the mom of all these kids that are in 4-H and FFA and that type of thing, I really had to dedicate myself to agriculture. And that's what I wanted to do. And I never really was joining many agriculture groups until probably the mid-90s to the early 2000s and and as we started that my one son said you know mom you shouldn't be crawling up in the tractors and the combines cuz i loved doing that i did all of the <laughs> equipment and he said no he says you better go out and do what you do best and that's protect agriculture i want to be farming
1: mm-hmm. when the
2: kids are born i want to be farming and there was so many rules and regulations being imposed that seemed so restricting and so I needed to find out why and what was allowed, what we could do. And since then, I've been working as in conservation and everything that we surround ourselves in agriculture.
0: So you really enjoyed the farming aspect of everything, you know, the equipment and the fields. But your kids knew that you had other skills that you could even benefit from community more. So they would encourage you to use those in order to help with policy issues around agriculture?
2: Yes. Policy is my love. I I work really closely within Minnesota and with the national organizations in policy that will make sure that we can continue in agriculture as we know it.
0: Well, American AgriWomen, which you are the president of, has 40,000 or so members, which is enormous for a professional organization. Can you tell us about American AgriWomen and how it got started?
2: Yeah. Um, and yes, it's because we are a coalition. And so we have groups like Women in Timber from many states. We have groups from cattle women. We have wool producers and many more of that type of organizations that flow into us. And they kind of look up to us to make sure that policy is part of what we do. A lot of times those same groups will meet us in Washington DC. One year, probably, oh I don't know, ten years ago, while we were going to our yearly fly in, the women in timber and the women in mining were also there. The women in timber came with us to our legislative officers at that time, our our legislators that we had voted for and were in office and we got to go to speak with them and we brought our white papers that were so carefully written and the various asks we have of those legislators and the women in timber just blew me away. I was like stunned. And then I found out that they were one of our founding organizations. It was clear back in the days when the timber was cut off they were shunned because there was a spotted owl or some other type of animal or organism that was like being endangered and i realized then that the endangered species act went a little too far i know i'm being outspoken on that but that's exactly what happened and all the all these women in timber that were there in dc with us their husbands lost their jobs you got to remember when this organization started Many of the women were what we would call yet the women that took care of the home life, and the men went out to work. Yes, we had women that worked as well. And right now, women in timber, we have more drivers that are women than men in those industries.
0: Well, that's I was kind of interested to ask you about that because this is an organization, American Agri Women, and you focus on policy. So I just wanted to understand is the policy that you focus on and I think you kind of started to answer this, is it mostly women's issues or is it agricultural issues that affect families and that affect the whole community?
2: No, it is, our issues affect agriculture, Um, families. I mean, we, yes, it can affect women because you got to remember that we have many women that run their own farms and ranches. And now when they do the census, We encourage women to put themselves down as the farmer, Mm -hmm. the rancher. We didn't used to do that. So the women in timber decided, well, we better get our act together. And they decided to go to DC and tell their legislators what they needed to have done in their own states. So when I went with them 10 years ago, I was so impressed that I thought, okay, these women really know their business. I felt overwhelmed by their knowledge. One of the reasons I wanted Alicia for this show is because, as a young woman, she started her lifetime goal of being in agriculture and her lifetime goal of raising cattle, and that's why I chose her as the co-speaker or the other person. So sorry about that.
0: Yeah. Well, thank yeah, and thank you for for suggesting. Alicia, excited to hear more, a little bit more about her as well. Before we jump into that, I just would like to talk a little bit more about American AgriWomen and just what uh, the goals are for American AgriWomen and you know what, what you're working on now, I guess, and how is American AgriWomen different from other agriculture
2: organizations? American AgriWomen only are women, of course, and we have Our type of women that join this, like I said, I don't know that it's different except that we try to put out the truth about agriculture and we come up against the hard demands of maybe what our community sees agriculture as being. And I do want to say that if you look back at my resume and it was talking about common ground and that's one of the places that I met Alicia you know we speak out about what we believe and what we know is truth, and we know that there is a lot of misguidance out there when it comes to agriculture, and to me, that's why we're different is because we do not go along with the norm. We make sure that the truth is about agriculture, how we raise our crops, how we raise our cattle, what is going into the bodies of the people that buy our crops and and livestock uh, for food. Uh, we make sure that those things are known. I want to ask Alicia if she thinks that's true.
1: Completely, Carolyn. And I would just kind of, since I'm still feel like I'm new into all of this, you know, coming into North Dakota AgriWomen and then diving into American AgriWomen, thanks to Carolyn for always encouraging me and, you know, trying to tag me along to all the different conferences, events. It's Definitely opened my eyes. And I guess I would say the biggest difference I see between American Egg Women and just different other organizations that you can be a part of is they're very policy based. A lot of it comes back to that and the importance of at your county level, at your state level, and then at the national level. Some other organizations you can be focusing on, you know, education or community involvement, which we are as well. But I would say, and Carolyn, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say the backbone to American agriwomen is policy development.
0: I read on the pamphlet that you sent over, Carolyn, about how American agri-women is nonpartisan. So how does your organization select the policy issues and the sides that you're standing on?
2: When we're going through our position statements, we try very hard to not even look at the political side of it. We look at what's right for agriculture. It may come out that some of the things that we choose might be more conservative or liberal. It just all depends. However, when we're voting on those policies, we try very hard to remember that we have 50 states, we have all these other commodity groups and everybody has an opinion. I know that we've actually changed policies or changed wording in our policies that would be acceptable by all of the various political groups. But that's agriculture. And we have to accept agriculture as to what it is. We, have, we need all types of agriculture to feed this world. We don't need one mind to, to do this. We need several different opinions. And that is how I like to look at it.
0: Yeah. And I know that you're mostly policy driven, as you mentioned, is part of your mission to spread awareness uh, about agriculture as a career to young women and girls?
2: It is. And we have several different parts of what we do um, to make sure that we spread that to those young women. I will tell you something that we're working on right now is well, first of all, we became very involved with the collegiate programs, and one of the re- and that's how I met Alicia many years back. And right now, we're working on a we're putting something together, I should say, and working on a an educational program that would include young women, people that have gained scholarships from us in the past, where they would learn the procedures for nonprofits. And how important that is when you are becoming a part of a nonprofit. I realized here a while back that it isn't just your bylaws, your articles, your policy and procedures from your organization. It is actually the laws of a nonprofit organization that we need to structure around. And uh, right now I'm working with uh, certain colleges trying to get certified programs that then we can allow these young women to take classes and be, and um, gain a certification for their resumes. Well, Alicia, you mentioned
0: that you spend a lot of time talking to farmers and ranchers, learning about policy issues relating to agriculture in your state, and you also advise the Collegiate Farm Bureau chapter at North Dakota State University advising students to help them understand the importance of public policy. And I know that's what Carolyn was just referring to a little bit. So why is that so important to you?
1: So just a little bit of background about myself and how I became from a little tiny clover bud in 4-H to where I'm at now. And that's kind of the great thing about being in the egg industry is everybody has their own story and their own upbringing and how they actually came to where they are now. And like you stated before, I'm from a fifth generation family farm. So I'm so fortunate to have been brought up in it since the day I was born. I was immersed in the egg industry where some people don't get the chance to be a part of it till maybe they join a 4-H group or they see FFA once they become, you know, of that age, or maybe it's not even until college. I had friends that knew nothing about the egg industry and came to a saddle and sirloin club meeting with me and fell in love with it and decided to pursue an egg degree. And I just find that so amazing because growing up in the industry, I just think, well, you have to grow up into it to really have the heart and soul, but that's not the case at all. And so just probably a little bit too much information, but so I actually started working for NDSU right after graduation as the public information officer for the North Dakota Experiment Station. And
0: what's NDSU?
1: North Dakota State University. Got it. And so that's where I went to college and, you know, got my dream job right after that. Thought I would work there till I was, you know, had been there for 35 years. And it's funny how, you know, never say never, because I feel like it's just apt to change when you say that. But anyway, so how I kind of got to where I am now is when you're in college, I mean, I was involved in every egg organization. I was so busy and it was amazing But once you get out of that college scene and you start your eight to five job, you kind of realize you, you lose all that, that you have to almost start over in becoming a part of groups and putting yourself out there. And it's Mm -hmm. a completely different atmosphere. And so I was actually approached by a current coworker of mine over social media. And she invited me to the Young Farmers and Ranchers Conference. And I was like, ah, you know, I have nothing else to do. I'm going to go there. So I drove to Bismarck by myself. I had no friends that went with me. I knew no one. I really knew nothing about this conference, but I knew I needed to start getting back involved in egg groups. And so, long story short, I now work at Farm Bureau and you know, I wouldn't have it any other way because the mission of North Dakota Farm Bureau is to enhance the livelihood of all North Dakota individuals, families, and communities by advocating for agriculture, which is our state's largest, most important economic sector. We believe in, you know, individual freedom, self-reliance, independence, and hard work. And it's just something that I grew up on being raised yeah. as a child. And so being able to be in this industry and work with people like that has been so rewarding.
0: it's amazing to hear your passion on the, on the subject. And yeah, I did read in your bio that you grew up being heavily involved in 4-H and FFA, which I had to Google that, um, is Future (laughs) Farmers of America, which sounds so much so interesting. And also the National Junior Angus Association, where you started showing livestock at a young age and you competitively showed hogs, market lambs and cattle through your years growing up. And that, you know, completely different from anything that I grew up with. It's just sounds so much fun. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that was like?
1: Absolutely. And you are 100% correct. It's the time of your life as a kid, because you're getting to be with animals. And then when you're exhibiting your animals, whether that's at your local county fair or at your state fair, or on a higher level at a national level, um, you get to be with your friends and you get to people... to be with people that truly enjoy the same passion that you do and so it was we traveled all over my parents drug us all across the united states and we were always showing more or less cattle at the national level the hogs and sheep were more at the county and state level but one thing that i kind of want to point out too because some people are like oh so you just show livestock like is there really like are you learning anything And the question is, yet, or the answer is yes. At the National Junior Angus Show, we had quiz bowls, we had public speaking contests. There was photography, and I think even now they have around like thirty different contests that students can participate in. I guess I should say we call them juniors, not students. Juniors Mm -hmm. that can participate in that week that you're there for that national contest, and you really learn to grow as an individual by attending these national shows.
0: I have to say, I'm a little jealous that I didn't grow up with these, these organizations, but they sound so cool. And you, have you continued to be involved with some of them?
1: Yes, I have. So I'm currently the scholarship chair for the Minnesota Angus Association. I'm in North Dakota, but I'm not too far across the border. And some ties are just really hard to cut. So I've wanted to stay involved with my home association. We belong to the North Dakota Angus Association as well. But I'm keeping that tie for now until my husband and I decide to have kids. And I'm sure we'll become more involved within our state association. But absolutely, it's one of the things about those associations is you can grow up with them showing cattle, being a part of the contest. You can be an advisor. And then once you get out of the junior association, you can come back and help with being the scholarship chair or help the Angus Queens. Um, there's just so many different options for you to give back to that community.
0: Well, Alicia, you have a lot going on, but your main job right now is a as a field, rep, field representative for the North Dakota Farm Bureau you mentioned. Can you talk to our listeners about the job and what exactly you do. I know you said you travel a lot. You talk to people. Can you tell us more?
1: Absolutely. So within North Dakota, we have around 27,000 family members that are a part of North Dakota Farm Bureau and a couple different things to do with Farm Bureau because we're such a broad organization. There's so much that you can be a part of. So To kind of break it down a little bit, we have 52 local county boards in the state. And within those, you can also sit on a board of director spot, which we have nine districts throughout the state, so you can be involved on that level. We also have our Young Farmers and Ranchers Committee. We have our Promotion and Education Committee, which they heavily focus on getting into the classrooms and being with the students and teaching them about ag and the commodities within the state. And then, like you mentioned before, you can also join one of our collegiate chapters, which we have one at North Dakota State University, which I advise. And then we also have another state chapter at Dickinson State University, which a coworker of mine advises. And we're hoping to get some more brought up in the state, but those are the two we have right now. And there's just so many different uh, ways you can be involved and it makes it such a fun place to work. But I cover the Southeast region of the state. So that consists of 13 counties and every day's an adventure because some days I'm home and then the next four days I'm on the road, traveling the countryside and meeting with farmers and ranchers and just checking in on them, seeing how everything's going, helping with membership drives. Any type of advocacy that they want to do, I'm there 100% to help support them to put on events. And then when it comes during our policy time, which is in the fall, we have district resolutions which get brought to our annual meeting. Kind of the similar situation how AAW and their policy works. And so it's very important. I would say that's the backbone to NDFB as well. And so we encourage our members to really focus in on what's affecting, you know, them at the county level and then at the state level as well. And then nationally, what are some really important things that we want to focus on? And we try to really encourage our members that we want this to come from them because we are a grassroots organization. Mm -hmm.
0: Both of you have mentioned several different organizations that you're involved with, and there seems, seems like there are so many how can women get involved in these organizations and in their local boards of the organizations?
1: I'm glad that you bring up women involvement on local boards because sometimes you kind of get that question of like, aren't boards for men? And I I think that's kind of a past thing now. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't
0: boards for men? Who said that? Right. How about their name. I want names.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But there's so many good reasons for... I'd say increasing gender diversity on boards, there's better decisions, better performance, and you get a better representation of the consumer base. And sometimes I think women might see like a state or national board and be completely turned off because they'll think like, there is no way that I'm knowledgeable enough or, you know, I can't even be considered for a board seat. But there are so many different opportunities at the county level that you can be a part of that will help you grow. And make you feel more comfortable to sit on those state and national boards. And I think the main takeaway, if you're just starting to get involved, is to remember that everyone started at the bottom. The mm-hmm. National Soybean Association president didn't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to get elected with zero experience. That just it doesn't happen that way. So I would suggest finding what your passion or your interests are, and then seek out those local boards, whether it's a school board, a county fair board. Of course, I have to put in a plug for your local county Farm Bureau board, but start there and then you will easily make connections along the way. And I'm sure Carolyn has a ton of great advice of how to get involved on that local level because she is one of the most involved persons that I know.
2: (laughs) Well, thank you, Alicia. So I'll kind of jump in and let you know what we've been doing over the last couple of years within American AgriWomen and at the state level as well. About two and a half years ago, I applied through Senex Harvest State, CHS, for a grant to make sure that we had scholarships for young women in college to apply for so that they could come to an American AgriWomen National Convention. And at that convention that year, it was held in Oregon. And I promised to tell them, you know, that I would say Oregon instead of Oregon. Anyway, I got a lot of teasing over that. (laughs) And anyway, at that convention, we put together a roundtable. And we also put together a panel of women that held positions on what we would think as boards that were primarily consisted of men. And I remember being Mm -hmm. brought on to some of those boards, some I was appointed to and some I was elected to. And it was a little bit frightening. And so the -hmm. panel of women on that um, particular um, panel that we had in Oregon, they were women who held positions just like myself on boards that we would think of as mostly men. And we spoke about how to these young women that won the scholarships through CHS, we spoke about how sometimes it was intimidating. How did we get over that? But we also spoke about taking at your local level, just like Alicia talked about, taking those positions, whether it be on your church board, whether it be on your town boards. I can tell you right now, our town boards where I live consist of mostly men. Why is that? Yeah. So the perception that we put out is kind of what we still, from 1900 until now, is still what we see. The only time that a woman was on a board maybe was because she was a secretary, sometimes the treasurer, but you weren't really part of the full board. And I saw that on more agriculture boards than I did on any type of other boards that I was on. So we are encouraging. Is this
0: even recent? Like, is, is this true even recently?
2: Sort of. I don't want to say that, but yes. Um, You will see that in many boards where it still is the men that are primary. I'm not sure that that is inappropriate to say in any way, but I still see it. I want to ask Alicia, do you still see that on your local levels?
1: You know, it's from when I started with firm Bureau to now, I would say so that will be five years in May. I can even see the change moving more women being on the boards. And that could be because I am maybe pushing that personally myself a little bit. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And kind of that perception that Carolyn said, it's always just kind of been that way and not that women, and I'm just going to use the Farm Bureau boards, our example, because I work with them all the time. And I would say it was more or less women were on the board if they were the secretary, sometimes the treasurer but that transition has been slowly changing and i've even seen it in the in the years that i've been with farm bureau more women feeling comfortable being on a board and i think it was more or less that they didn't want to be on a board and just sit there and listen to the men and not feel like they could speak up or give their opinions and i think that has changed quite a bit over the years and Obviously, I'm always a chatterbox when it comes to the meetings, so my counties have all gotten used to me hyping in and giving my opinion and suggestions, and it's been amazing. I mean, I work with great counties. I couldn't ask for better board members, even if it was all men. I mean, they are fabulous, wonderful people, but having that different, like I talked about earlier, just having women on a board gives you such a diversity and a different viewpoint and a different way to think of things is needed. It really is needed on these boards. So I'm glad the shift is changing and I do see it happening.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you about. You you just kind of explained it a little bit about why it's so important to have women on boards also because of that diversity of perspective. Are there other reasons as well? And what is the reason to each individual woman that you can tell her that like why she should do that, why would that, how would that benefit her?
2: I do want to add to the original question too, and an original thought was I very rarely ran into any blocks when it came to being on the boards where there was men and, and very few women. I did not feel the discrimination that I thought I would feel I feel, I think that the men that were on these boards were very accepting. And I want to say that Alicia probably felt that same way. I know that it adds a different viewpoint, of course, because we look at it like a family view of what we're talking about instead of just plainly male, I guess. But I truly feel like I have never been discriminated against. Have you, Alicia?
1: No, I mean, I think some of the men that were maybe stuck in their ways tried to give me a hard time and not necessarily bully, but just give me a hard time and try to see if I would say anything back to them more or less or Mm -hmm. if I would question what they were saying. And so that's kind of been my first six to eight months were definitely a... I would say a struggle, but it was comical because I could tell they were kind of just doing it to see where it would go. Maybe (laughs) not necessarily try to be mean, but they were wondering if I was going to stand up for myself for sure.
0: Yeah. And I think we're all kind of socialized in a way to kind of get used to that and put up with it. Maybe we shouldn't, but when you're dealing with things like that, your whole life, it's hard not to almost accept it. And deal with it in your own way, which might be to laugh it off or, you know, some people handle it differently. Exactly.
2: I think I'd like to add to this, just so people know where a lot of us are coming from. Most of us have been out there in the night pulling calves. We have cows that deliver in the middle of the night, of course, just like I mean, clockwork, you know, 40 below weather, and we have cows that are delivering. And I know that Alicia has been through this too. Most of us as women in that type of agriculture have gone through that. We all have had baby calves in our kitchen running around the next morning to keep them warm so they did not die. We also, most of us, have been part of the milk parlor. We have milk cows, and we have put in their feed into their bunkers. We have cleaned out the milk tanks. All of these kind of things. So,
1: and Emily, just to kind of go back to your question about, you know, why why do people want to be on boards, or what do they get out of it? And so, I was kind of thinking about that while I was letting Carolyn answer a little bit. But I would say. For me anyways, and maybe Carolyn feels the same way too, but so people identify their values and more so than not, like you're not going to get a paycheck out of this, but you do it because it leads you more or less to a sense of peace and purpose. And, Mm -hmm. and you feel that community ownership and you're building relationships And if you have kids, you can get your whole family involved in it. I mean, we do pride ourselves with Farm Bureau that we are family friendly. Bring your kids to the meeting. It's a family. We all understand that we are working hard hours, whether you're an agronomist or you're on the family farmer ranch. Everybody has their own role and we are a family together. And so there's just so many great things about getting involved And maybe Carolyn has some more to add, but I, I really love the idea of strengthening relationships and, and feeling that community ownership.
0: I I live in the city and I definitely, I definitely had like a thought process during this interview where I was like, how can I move my family to a farm? How How can we adapt this lifestyle? Because it just sounds really wonderful. I love the idea of community and family and how it brings everyone together.
1: It is. It's a great place to grow up. And if you didn't grow up in it, there's always room for you. In the <laughs> egg industry, There is. it's an open door and we welcome people with open arms. So, I mean, I tell Dan that all the time, even with kids in our community. Come out for a tour. Do you want to see the animals? Do you want to ride a horse? Do you want to look at a garden? Do you want to know, you know, just whatever it is. I mean, we're an open door and we love it teaching people. And so those that aren't immersed or didn't grow up in the egg industry don't feel like you can never be a part of it.
0: Yeah. That's wonderful. Well this one's for Carolyn. I wanted to ask you, Carolyn, what does the future look like for American AgriWomen? women? What's on the horizon for your
2: organization? Well I'm hoping that we will get more young people involved and that we will continue with our policy that we know is so important to our organization, but not just our organization, but to all agriculture, so that we can continue to farm in a very productive way.
0: Well, I wanted to ask you both, how can listeners get in touch with you and also with your organization, AAW?
1: How you can get in touch about being a member or more information about American Women is you can go to their website at org, And if you would like to get in touch with myself, Alicia, I'm on social media and also have a LinkedIn account. And what's your social media handle? Just Alicia Donley.
0: Okay, Alicia Donley. That's D O N N E
2: L L Y. Correct. Okay. And Carolyn, are you on social media too? I am not, but. I do have an email, and it is Carolyn with a K, K A R O L Y N. dot Zern Z is in zebra, U R N, at agriwomen dot org. Well, Carolyn Zern and Alicia
0: Nord Donnelly, it has been a pleasure to have you on the Hazard Girls podcast today. The world of farming and agriculture is. Very familiar to some and completely foreign to others. And it's wonderful that you're able to both spread awareness and advocate, not just for women, but for important policy issues in your industry. So thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having us, Emily.
0: You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's JunoJonesShoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Solaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.